You're listening to Wilderness Club, a podcast exploring hidden treasures of the Word of God. We are James and Brooke, and we discuss how our own experiences interweave with God's plan for all His children in seasons of both wilderness and rest. We are now in session 10 of Our Savior is Born study. And in this session, I'm kind of excited because we're kind of getting to the heart of the Christmas story in a way, the one that you see in the nativity scene. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to start by doing a little bit of debunking of cultural view of the nativity. This is really fun because it's something that as you become more familiar with scripture, you can be doing on your own. You can look at one piece of scripture and another piece of scripture and say, wait, I've always heard it this way, but the word doesn't actually say that. Mm -hmm. Like this too shall pass or, you know, other phrases that it's like, yeah, that's not actually in the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. It says that in the Bible, right? (laughs) So uh, one of the things is talking about the wise men. So some of you might already know this, but we see in the manger scene the three wise men, and there's the song, We Three Kings. So they weren't actually kings. They were what the Bible calls as wise men. The Greek word for that is magio, which would be like magi. You know, we also sometimes call them the magi. The Magi is also in who the Magi are in the book of Daniel, Mm -hmm. which they talk about the wise men of the empire, or um, this is the Babylonian empire that we're talking about here. The wise men of the empire. um, So you can see in Daniel 2, this word wise men talked about a lot, um, even in trying to find like uh, verse 14. I also see it in verse 24 where the king has wise men and they they're astronomers. Um, oh, we also see it in like the book of Mo- uh, the book of Moses. We see it in Exodus mm-hmm, um, right. with Moses and the Pharaoh having these magicians and sorcerers and things. So that's what kind of the wise men are. And the cool thing is, if is if you read the book of Daniel, you see that Daniel becomes the head of these wise men, and. He influences them with the God of Israel. So because Daniel stood his ground in his faith, he was then a witness to all the people in the palace, to various kings who were in power at that time, and then to the wise men. And the cool thing about that is these wise men are not from Israel. Mm-hmm, right. And these are... They're from the East. Right. And so we see that how could they have known the scriptures? How could they have known to even look out for a Messiah? Right. And it's cool to think that these are the same wise men 
obviously not ex- exactly the same because it's hundreds and hundreds of years later, but the influence that Daniel had mm-hmm. on this group of people transcends all the way to what we see happening in Luke and Matthew, where we see these wise men come in, and it's not the night that Jesus was born. More than likely, it was many months later, but we see them come in and worship the king. And to go from there to Herod, we're also going to be talking about Herod. So these wise men first came to Herod to ask where the king was. And Herod was known for being a very jealous, very paranoid king who was maybe a little bit unhinged. A Roman emperor, Augustus, said that it was safer to be Herod's pig than to be Herod's son because Herod was so incredibly paranoid that people wanted to take his crown from him. He killed his own wife. Mm -hmm. Um, He was known throughout history to be a very brutal and paranoid Brutal, paranoid, jealous, all of the things that would not really be something that you want to have in your heart for accepting a savior. Right. Or (laughs) accepting another king as these wise men come and ask, oh, you're the king? Where? Wait, where's the other king? And of course, that's going to send him into a rage. Yeah, in Matthew 2, in verse 3, they come and they ask him, where's where's this king of the Jews? And it says in verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. His first response is, wait, what? Mm-hmm. A king? A king? And he starts to freak out and he hatches this plot to kill the baby and ends up being the reason that thousands and thousands of babies are killed in this rage to try to ensure that he isn't dethroned right in this session in the bible study we kind of address herod and talk a little bit about the condition of his heart Mm-hmm. And the question is asked, do you think Herod wanted to worship the Savior? And um, I think that one's a no. I don't think he did want to. Right. I think it's pretty solid no. Yeah. Uh, so why is that? And how does that reflect our own hearts and society and the way that the world looks at Jesus? And I think that... Our own hearts, I think the, the hearts of the people in the world, before we decide to follow Jesus, before we, we before we accept him as our Lord and invite him into our hearts, the condition of our hearts is in a similar spot to Herod. We might not be a great and terrible rulers that are the reason for thousands and thousands being killed, but we are jealous. We are fearful of our own position being taken from us. We are um, paranoid. We are fearful. And And 
And so it's self-preservation kind of. Yeah, it's self-preservation, but it's also like it's even we we might not have like great power or wealth that we feel like, oh, I don't want to give up. Some people do. But I think even somebody who's, you know, working part time at McDonald's and they don't have a lot of income and they don't have a lot of things and they don't have a lot of maybe they don't have a lot of people around them. They still have something that they feel like, well, I don't want to have to give this up. Right. To go be a Christian. I've heard that being a Christian means you don't get to have any fun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and we people have this limited view of what what it costs, maybe, yeah. to be a Christian or or what following Christ is all about. And they think it's just a narrow set of rules that like, oh, I don't want to. I like listening to the the music I listen to or right. I like watching the shows I watch or I like hanging out with the people I hang out with. And I don't want all that to change. I don't want to give up X, Y, or Z to follow Jesus. And that is a similar place for Herod's heart. I don't want to give up what I have. And it's also, like you're saying, it's a misconstrued view of what it means to make Jesus king. Because Herod wasn't actually needing to give up his throne. No, not at all. But all he heard was, this is going to affect me Mm-hmm. my kingdom my yeah my reign it's going to change my life for the worse or it's going to take away what i have and i don't want to i don't want what i have to be taken away and it doesn't say in scripture for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that everyone should give up everything that they have because they shouldn't have all the things that they have because that's all what God wants is right. for you to get get rid of everything. And I mean, there are parts of scriptures that people could think that that's what Jesus mm-hmm. is saying, like take up your cross and follow me, or telling the rich man to sell everything and follow him. Those, again, are misconstrued looking at something at face value and not knowing God's character and, and interpreting it in the way that you think it is rather than taking the whole of God's character yeah. and seeing what it says. Right. I think what what Herod should have done and what he was unwilling to do and what we are often unwilling to do in our own hearts is acknowledge that there is someone greater than ourselves. Herod, as being king, thought he was the very top. He thought he was the top of the food chain He's top of power. He's top of everything. There's nobody above him. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that Christ is above him, is so far above him. And for him to be able to acknowledge Christ as Lord, that would mean he would have to acknowledge, I am not the greatest. Someone else is. Right. And that's in a position that we get. We get so full of our own, or not full, but we get so high. We get prideful of our own thoughts, our own understanding, our own everything it, that we think, well, no one can be more right than I am. My my brain is what's right. I'm right. The message of Christ as Savior is that all of us, I mean, it says in the word, all of us have gone astray, each one to his own way. We've all gone. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right. Every single person on earth has sin and that sin makes us 
require someone greater than us to take care of that yes. sin. So Herod had sin, and it requires someone greater than him to take care of that sin. But he did not want to acknowledge that there was anything about him that needed to be taken care of and that there was anyone that could take care of it. And that is what is required of us in our heart. We need to be able to say, I admit that I am not the greatest. I do have sin. I do need that sin to be taken care of, and I cannot take care of it on my own. Right. And if we would let go of our own pride, our own understanding, our own... Our own compass. Right. And yeah. look to God's compass. Yeah, if we could, if we could do that then we can recognize Jesus is the only one who can do that and and we need him to do that and then that's when we can then have a space for him in our heart right until then that space in our heart is filled with pride it's filled with self and we need to empty that and say Christ here is the spot that I need you I need you to 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 wash me of my sin and I need you to fill me with your holy spirit and live with me, live inside me, and show me how to live the way you would have me live. The same pride that prevents us from accepting that gift of grace from God is this is the same thing that was inside Herod that made him paranoid, that made him jealous, that made him terrible and ruthless, and made him seek out the destruction of so much to protect what he had, that same pride in him is the same that lives inside us that yeah. says, I don't need a savior. And what we do by looking at this story of Herod is we say, I reject that pride. I reject that rejection of Christ. I <laughs> and I say, I need Christ. I need someone greater than me to take care of my sin. I need someone to wipe away all of these terrible parts that prevent me from being close to God and bring me into the family of God. I need that gift. And the only way I can have that gift is through letting Jesus be the king in my heart. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wilderness Club. We invite you to find us at wildernessclub.co, that's com without the M, where you can get in touch with us to ask questions, learn more about our faith, and who we are. We invite you to join the club.